Hey Dragons, welcome to episode 28 of the podcast. This episode is with Jason Tobias from the movie Pterodactyl. Pterodactyl was an absolutely hysterical, fun movie. I loved watching it. Pterodactyls kind of take over a city, and he plays the guy trying to save his best friend, and uh, hopefully he gets the girl at the end. Anyways, it's a phenomenal movie. I will include links to that and another short Jason was in called Star Wars Generations uh, in the show notes, so be sure to check those out. As usual, do me a favor, use that social currency, share the podcast with two friends, Rate, review me on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Love you guys so much. Hope you guys are having a great week. We'll catch you on the next one. Work out, nerd out. In the basement rolling dice, rolling dice. I'm a wizard. When we play, we do it right. Candles flicker, fighting dragons in my mind. In my mind. Just four kicks. DM says you're gonna die. Roll a D6. Welcome again, everyone, to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast, where we use nerd and fitness culture to break down barriers. I am your host, Kenny Rotter, and today I am joined by star of film, Pterodactyl, and the short, Star Wars Generations, Jason Tobias. Jason, how are you doing today? Doing great, Kenneth. Thanks for having me on the show, man. I appreciate it. Excellent. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you and you being here. <laughs> So, we were chatting a little bit earlier today. You having a good day? Good day. Today was a good day. Got some research in, saw some cool films, and uh, it was a good one. Excellent, excellent. The, the films you saw, just uh, for anyone who was, who, well, just because nobody else was there, just you and me, were Lights <laughs> Out and Tarzan, and we had a great conversation about uh, Alexander Skarsgård's abs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you wash clothes on those things. You can wash clothes. <laughs> Seriously. No, so um, I know a little bit about your films, but I don't know much about you. Why don't you tell everyone out there a little bit about yourself? Oh, this is the tough part when you got to talk about yourself. Okay. Um, uh, I'm an actor who's been in Los Angeles for a little over seven years now, and uh, I've been pursuing this full time for over five and a half years, and uh, it's been going well. I've been fortunate to be working and pursuing this for as challenging as it is, is what I love to do. It's my passion. So I've got a great team of people, a fantastic group of friends that are also entertainment professionals. So I feel very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in to continue to grow within the industry. Um, I grew up uh, here and there. I've spent a lot of time in California, but I've also spent a significant amount of time in Ohio as well. I spent my formative years of high school and college in Ohio, and then I came out here uh, to pursue this career. So uh, that's that's kind of the cliff notes. Oh, there you go. And there's no other place um, pretty much like L.A. if you want to get into the business. Not that, not that I know of. I mean, <laughs> when I was having this conversation with some friends about eight years ago, you know, there's options that you have. And, you know, those options are kind of limited to what you want to pursue. If you want to pursue film and television – you need to be in a hub of where a majority of the work is going on. Now, there are different aspects of the film and television industry that have moved around the United States with like the Southeast and parts of the South and obviously with New York and then even the Midwest with Chicago. But if you really want to try to center yourself around the hub, if you will, of where a lot of things are happening, Los Angeles is the place you need to be. 
Well, and it's the it's the epicenter of the industry. I mean, yeah, you've got things growing and filming in the southeast. I mean, you've got Walking Dead in Georgia, but all the decisions are made in L.A. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like the uh, like you said, it's the you know it's the epicenter. It's, it's where it's all coming out of. And I I just moved here a year ago. Um, okay, from Phoenix, Arizona, and for. There's always something to do here, whether it's acting Hollywood related or just you're bored on a Tuesday night. You can go out and find something to do. Yeah. I think that has something to do with the millions of people that occupy the freeways every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's one thing I try to explain to people. When you move to L.A., time and distance have no bearing anymore. You know, where you came from and it takes you 10 minutes to go... 10 miles? No. Here, it could take you an hour to go 10 miles. <laughs> so just be prepared. And this is, you know, part of just the acclimating process to living in this town that, you know, if you're not close to where you need to be, leave early. Very, <laughs> very early. Yes, absolutely. And then I, I got a funny story for you. So my, we live in North Hollywood. My John. wife live, uh, work, lives, my wife works downtown. Okay. To okay. drive 12 miles, it takes her an hour. Yeah, I know, man. My know. No, my day job is in Rancho Cucamonga, oh. which is 55 miles away. Yeah. And my commute takes an hour. Yeah. And it's just, it's so funny that I go five times as far as her and it's the same commute. That, uh, is, the, that is the joy of living in a city where everybody is always going somewhere and you have a very, very poorly constructed uh, metro system that is trying to write that. But, you know, it's just, there's just so many people and there's so many cars on the road. It's tough. It's tough. Well, LA LA is also a city that was built for cars, not for people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you look at someplace like San Francisco or Portland and they're, Metro system is just incredible, and it's because yeah. they're built for people to move around, not necessarily cars. But yeah. enough about us bitching about traffic. <laughs> we could do it all day. Do it all day. <laughs> Seriously. You know how you can tell if you're a Hollywood party? This is one thing how you can tell if you're a Hollywood party. One, everybody talks about working in the business. Two, everybody bitches about traffic. That's how you can tell you're at a Hollywood party right there. Oh, there you go. Two um, things. Two things. I... I don't even I don't even pretend that I work in the business. I work like strangely tangentially to the business as a hobby. Uh, that's, all, that's all right. Hey, hey, it's it's fun and it allows me to talk to great people such as yourself, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's fun. It's now, fun. Now, tell me about one of your heroes, either your favorite fictional hero or a superhero or just a source of inspiration, personal hero? Um, I mean, if I'm going fictional, you know, I'm a huge Batman fan, huge Batman fan. And, um, you know, part of, part of the mythos behind the character, you know, Bob Kane creates this guy, you know, he's this, he's this orphan kind of vigilante that uh, trains himself to be the pinnacle of human perfection. And not only like, you know, wit, smarts, uh, physical attributes, but then he has then been thrown into this universe in this world working with, 
these larger than life heroes as well. You know, you have a, a being that exists in his world like Superman and you have a being like the Flash and Wonder Woman and Green Lantern and the list goes on and on. But yet this person, this man, this normal human being is extremely adept at being able to do the job that they have set out to do. And I find something very, very just uh, extremely inspiring about that. When you look at all the odds that are constantly against you in your day-to-day life, no matter what they might be, whether it's the, the crushing debt that people feel or the responsibilities to their family or their lives or just the, the shitty hand that's been dealt to them, there are still hopes, dreams, wishes, and focuses that you can put your, your mind and your heart to that can help you kind of get through the day. And you can still make a difference some way, somehow. And um, that's something that I know I kind of went off on a tangent there. But the Batman character, to me, really kind of embodies that a lot of just being able to push yourself towards an ideal, you know, and just kind of continue to to excel at that. So now I'm a huge Batman fan and he's one of the only he's one of the only, quote unquote, superheroes that isn't super. He has no superpower. Right, 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 right. Um, And I think that's definitely something we can all take away. It's just, look, yes, he's a fictional character, but look what you can do when you put your mind and focus onto a certain goal. Yeah, yeah, it's it's powerful, man. It's very, very powerful. Um, If I had to look, if I had to look non-fictional... Um, you know, I, I, am a big believer in, um, you know, inspiration and obviously I read a lot, uh, philosophy. I look into metaphysics. I look into just whether it be the focusing of just staying positive or as positive as you possibly can, especially in a business where there is so much rejection, there is so much rejection in the entertainment industry that you have to have this very water off a duck's back kind of attitude, like not a big deal, moving on to the next one. You know, you, uh, it's kind of like playing a sport in a way, you know, you can't be the quarterback that went out and just threw an interception. You can't be thinking about your last throw. You got to go out there and you got to go out with the same killer instinct and you've got to just keep pushing the salesman that never has heard a thousand no's, but he's waiting for that. Yes. So, um, just people that stay positive, people that, that, you know, keep that focus in their foresight and really don't let too many things get in their way because it is very simple to let that that cynicism and that that pessimistic kind of attitude just really take over. So, um, you know, those are things that I also I, I admire individuals like that. I admire people like that that push themselves. Um, and I really, you know, there's too many names to name with that, but I really just admire that about individuals that can find that focus and that you know staying within that positive realm because it's tough. It is very very challenging, and I myself float back and forth in between. It's a very challenging thing to do. Well, and the thing that I think everyone needs to take away is, yes, when your default setting is this positive attitude and keep moving forward and, you know, like you said, water off a duck's back, that doesn't mean those thoughts don't creep into your head. You know, and it's just a matter of rebounding from that faster than someone who dwells on the negative. Of course. Of course. And so I think that's a very admirable quality, and um, I think that'll benefit you leaps and bounds in the future. Thank you. I'm hoping as well, Kenneth. I'm hoping as well. (laughs) For sure. 
so what are your favorite areas of nerdiness? Is there TV, video games, comic books? You mentioned Batman earlier. You, me- you mentioned that you've just seen a couple movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I am, I am a huge, huge fan of nerd and geek culture. I mean, I come from a background of being very, very... Uh, just exposed to comic book culture when I was young. I learned to draw by uh, reading Conan comic books. I learned the human anatomy by looking at Conan comic books. And then my dad uh, paper macheed this this old refrigerator that we had in Ohio with old Spider-Man comics. So I had like the cool the cool paneling all over the Spider-Man uh, all or all over the refrigerator. I had you know Batman comics, Superman comics, and then when a lot of the Marvel and DC guys jumped ship and went to Image. You know, Jim Lee, uh, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld, you know, Mark Silvestri. I followed all those guys over there, started following their journey. I mean, I was always a fan of just anything artistic and creative. I loved anime when I first was exposed to like Ninja Scroll, GoGo13, you know, Fist of the North Star. And I've always, always been a fan of movies. And I mean, if I have to go back to like the root, it's all because of Star Wars. I mean, I love Star Wars. <laughs> Star, Star Wars for me is, um, it's just that thing. You know, everybody's got that thing that they really enjoy or something that is just, it's extremely passionate, you know, that, that, that just really motivates them. Some people, it might be the Matrix. Some people, it might be Harry Potter. Some people, it might be the Hunger Games. Some people, it might be Flash Gordon. It might be Doc Savage. For me, it was Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars to me, when I saw uh, Return of the Jedi on VHS, I was too young to watch the movies. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I saw Return of the Jedi on VHS, and when I saw Luke Skywalker ignite this, like, l- blade of light, and it was green, I I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's, it's, and this is like a sword. It turns into like a you know, like a little Swiss army knife that he holds on his belt. Like he cuts through anything and he moves stuff with his mind. Oh, I'm sold. I'm sold. <laughs> I'm totally sold. Okay. So that's, that's, we're just going to take the abrupt segue. So what was it like for you to be in Star Wars Generations, a short fam, fan film? First, tell us about Star Wars Generations and then tell us what it was like for you to actually be in this film. It was it was honestly a dream come true, Kenneth. And I know that might sound, you know, like teary eyed and glossy, but coming from a fan of of just the Star Wars lore and the universe that George Lucas built and now Disney has a hold of, I was I was just like a kid in a candy shop. You know, um, I got to work with some fantastic people on this that are also huge Star Wars fans: Todd Blood, Jack Current, and Don Bitters. And these guys, you know, when we brought this team together, we had the ability to take a fantastic IP like Star Wars and tell our own story and put our own little spin on it that we hope, you know, people, it really touched people and really had a nostalgic feel and vibe to it and really made them remember what it was like to be a kid and use your imagination and just kind of go anywhere. And, um, it was fantastic, man. It was, it was honestly just, that's why I love making movies. I love making movies to touch people through the art of storytelling. I, and I, I hope when people watch Star Wars Generations, they get that feeling. That's awesome. And I, I watched it last night with my wife, and it was pretty much the uh, exact sentiments that we had. We, we discussed it a little bit afterwards, but we're like, that is so sweet. And it, it won an award, correct? 
It did, man. It won over in London this year at Star Wars Celebration. We won for Best uh, Spirit of Fandom. So we walked away with a pretty awesome trophy and the exposure and just, you know, the joy of knowing that our blood, sweat, tears, heart and soul, uh, it touched some people, not only at Disney and Lucasfilm, but some other people around the world. So we we're very happy about that. Yeah. And it, it, it's very true. It was so deserving of that award because it was just, it, it is what Star Wars is it's just this connection through the generation through this common fandom mm. and it was absolutely wonderful and for everyone out there um listening i will be including links to it in the show notes so feel free to go to the show notes page and click through and get to the uh the film and it's only five minutes long mm-hmm. yeah so- it's a short it's on yeah it's right now it's on starwars.com it will be showcased there for an entire year and uh, StarWars.com, you can watch it up there. And there are some other fantastic films that are up there as well that won in their respective categories. And uh, if you get five minutes or so, check ours out and then give the other ones a look too. Excellent. That's awesome. It was, it was, I, I can't stop gushing about this film. It was, it was a lot of fun for five minutes. And Thank, I, you. Thank you. It was really amazing that I could, like, it, it gave me all the feels in five minutes. Yeah, yeah, man. That's what we were going for. We were hoping that, you know, and then, I mean, how'd you like the button at the end when you saw a couple of familiar faces at the end there? Oh, the <laughs> we, we, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not a, well. Is it a spoiler? Like, it's kind of a spoiler, it's no? Kind of, it's kind of a spoiler, but not really, um, yeah. because I do want to ask you about it. Yeah, the, yeah, we'll just, we'll, we'll tell everybody that, you know, there's potential spoilers ahead, people. There's Pot- potential spoilers. Well, my, my thing is, normally if something's come out within three days... I won't spoil it, but this has been out for more than three days, so I'm fine. Um, well, yeah. But if you don't want to be spoiled, turn off now. Skip ahead like six minutes. There you uh, go. Um, what was it like when you first show up to set and you see R2-D2 and BB-8? Oh, dude, it was unreal. Because, I mean, how that came together was through Todd Blood, one of the executive producers, and who the story came from. We had a contact by a fantastic puppeteer by the name of Mike Senna. And Mike Senna is known very, very well in the droid building world, which is a huge, huge subculture within the Star Wars uh, universe. I'll call it that because there are tons of fans all over the planet that love this, this story and they build their own droids. And Mike Senna is an absolute, you know, he's like, uh, they're, they're like Steve Jobs to a lot of people. He's just, he's killing it, man. He, people love the designs that he comes up with. He's got the R2 unit. And when he showed up with R2D2 and BB8 <laughs> to, to see them, you know, it's one thing to see them, you know, but then when he starts to make them move around and they're, and they're making sounds, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I was half waiting for, you know, like a little compartment to open up on R2's head and for a lightsaber to shoot out of his head. <laughs> I was half waiting for R2 to like make a couple of like, you know, blurting blurps and like just go in his own little direction and not listen to me. It was <laughs> it was so cool, man. It was so cool. Mike is such a trooper for, you know, being a part of our project. And, uh, you know, he he's got fantastic, fantastic droids. He really does. That's Excellent. That's so cool. I'm 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 immensely jealous that I did like that you've met R two D two. I met him. He's a nice guy. He's not a diva. He's not a diva. 
It'd be like meeting Kermit the Frog. Yeah, right, right. Like I know, like I know you're a puppet, and there's somebody controlling you. But I'm just gonna talk to you because you're you, dude. That, that's exactly how he was on set too. Because everybody was walk like you would think more people would walk up to Mike the puppeteer, but everybody was going right to R two. Like R two <laughs> was gonna like shake his hand or something. <laughs> and then after you talk to R two, and then you're like, oh wait, there's somebody. Oh, there's somebody controlling him. Let me let me go talk to the guy. <laughs> But R2 got all the initial attention. It was it was awesome. It was that's, awesome. That's R2-D2 is the Beyonce of droids. He, he pulls it down. He's the diva. He pulls it down. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> what is one thing you're into that some people might find surprising? Uh, what am I into? Um, I'm a huge fan of collecting the Star Wars Black Series six-inch figures. Okay. Uh, you know, whenever I go to Wonder Cons, Comic Cons, uh, uh, Wizard Worlds, whatever, um, I always try to pick up a figure just because I love the craftsmanship. I think they are beautifully articulated characters that, and again, they're part of this universe that I grew up being such a huge fan of to see the level of detail that is in these characters now. Um, it's, it's very interesting to me just as an artist and, you know, being able to look at these figures and just be like, wow, you know, they're, they're beautiful pieces of art. I consider them pieces of art. You know, some people might, oh, those are toys. Well, to me, they're art. So. No, and I I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I think that's great and awesome. I, I don't, I don't have that same fandom, but that's what makes the world go round. But it's like, I've got all the official one sheets to Spider-Man two, you can probably see one hanging up behind me. And it's like, (laughs) yeah. And it's like, yeah. So like to me, that movie, a, that movie resonated with me so much, but it's like, to me, that's art. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. Absolutely. If it speaks to you and it makes, if it gives you, if it elicits an emotion, whether that be positive and or negative, that is what art is supposed to do. If you very, if you feel very indifferent about it, then okay, it potentially did not do its job and that's all right. But art is supposed to elicit an emotion, positive and or negative. And then that's how you can create the conversation after the fact with your audience and with your, with your tribe, if you will. No, absolutely. And that's, that's a very good point. So, and the one thing I try to do here is I try to get everyone to like, I don't care what you love. I just want you to love more of it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of passion is great. Passion is great. Absolutely. And if, if more people could chase that passion, I think the world would be a lot more peaceful and a lot happier. I totally agree. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many people um, will reach out to me and just send me random messages via you know Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And they'll ask me questions like, oh, hey, you know, I was thinking about getting into acting. You know, what do I do and what do I do and what do I do? And at times I feel very inadequately equipped to answer these questions due to the fact that, you know, who, who am I in this? I'm somebody who's pursuing my dream. I'm pursuing it to to the utmost of my ability. My heart is in this 150%, but you know, what do I have that I can give them that gives them any kind of comfort other than just saying, you know, if you want it, go do it, you know, do it however you need to do it, however you need to make it happen do it. And I know that might sound like an artist panhandling going, Oh, just follow your dreams, bro. Do what you do, bro. But I'm serious. When I say that, if you want something bad enough, do it, go after it and do it. Sacrifice what you need to sacrifice and do it. Because 
you will you will love what you do if you if you love it um wholeheartedly man i love that um so i'm gonna i'm gonna switch gears a little bit of a fun question uh if you could have any superpower what superpower (laughs) would you have uh i've I've already flight you want flight oh yeah flight i I asked this question to my roommates (laughs) (laughs) i was like i'm like well if you could have any superpower what would you have and you know what seems to be the most common one that people want to have what's that invisibility everybody wants to be invisible See, I've I, I've read a study. Do you consider yourself an extrovert or an introvert? I consider myself to be an introvert, but people, when they describe me, call me an extrovert. Yeah, it, like the conversation is flowing. You seem very extroverted, easy easy to talk to. Um, but when asked that question, if people were asked asked which would you rather have, flight or invisibility, the introverts more often say invisibility. The extroverts say flight. Ah. Flight is this flashy, look at me, I'm up in the air, you know, come come look at me. And then invisibility is, I just kind of want, I I don't want very many people to see me right now. Right, right. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I don't know why, it's interesting, but to me, the ability to blast off and fly would be so So cool. cool. You know, like (laughs) Man of Steel, when... Superman first kind of gets his footing underneath him and, you know, he puts his fist down on the ground and the rocks slowly start to swirl and we see a little bit of like this vortex building and then he just blasts off. I get chills when I watch that. That's so cool to me that this guy just launches in the air and he can fly. I think that's just flight to me would be the coolest, man. That'd be so cool. I agree. I I think flight would be a lot of fun. I've never actually answered the question for myself, though. What would it be? There you go, Kenneth. You're on the hot seat. See, I, I want to say, I part of me wants to go with, like, telepathy. Okay. Because if I can control things with my mind, couldn't I control myself with my mind? And then I could also have the power of flight? Ah, I see. I see. But yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that's the lawyer in me getting way <laughs> too deep. <laughs> you know what, though? Yeah. You'd be the guy that everybody would pick like one superpower. You'd be the guy that would be like beyonder and you'd pick the one superpower that could trump all the other superpowers. You're like, yeah. well, I can control my mind. So therefore I can be stronger than the strongest person. I can fly. I can run faster. I can make myself invisible because I can affect my atoms. See, you'd be the guy that have all the powers, man. It's it's almost like the, uh, the Dr. Manhattan um, yeah. from Watchmen power, the God power. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I also think that that's kind of cheating, taking the god power. That's all right. I mean, we get to pick, right? Yeah. It's, these are my rules. That's right. <laughs> You're in my house. <laughs> so, obviously, um, the movie Pterodactyl is, yeah. ab- is about um, two guys and a very lovely lady who are fighting pterodactyls. So, obviously, you had to be in shape to fight pterodactyls. What, what, describe your fitness routine, describe, like, what your attitudes toward fitness, like, what do you do to get in shape or stay in shape? Well, first, Kenneth, whenever you're fighting prehistoric pigeons, you need to be in fantastic shape. Let's just, <laughs> let's just make that clear. Um, no, uh, yes, yes, I, I do, I do keep myself in shape 
strictly because of uh, my work ethic, number one. I'm a very active guy. Um, I, it's become part of my regimen now, not only because of my career choice, but because of the fact that I played baseball for so many years and I was very active that once that went away in my life, if, you, if you're an athlete and you have something that consumes a lot of your time, the minute that, that that sport and that competition goes away, you have this void in your life. You have this void of testing yourself and you have this void of constant competition, whether that be internally or externally playing somebody else. So what lifting weights and staying in shape, whether that be through free weight, whether that be through uh, training, whether that be through cardio, or even recreational sports, it gave me the opportunity to, again, further that competition for myself. Um, my workout is between five to six days a week. I, yeah, I'll take one day off here and there. Sometimes I'll take two, depending on my shooting schedule. If I'm on a pretty crazy shoot, which I I'm on hiatus on a shoot right now where, I mean, the location is an hour and a half away. So therefore if my call time is 6am and I've got to get up at four in the morning to make the shuttle that is bringing us up at five. I'm roughly spending 16 hours away from not working out. So therefore, I will have downtime where I may have a week or so that I'm not in the gym. Um, cardio is a big part of my lifting now. It never used to be as strong, but cardio is actually something I enjoy. I run anywhere from two and a half to three miles a day. And I feel that that's been something that also helps clear my mind a little bit more. Um, it mixed in with my with my weight training, it's more of a maintaining at this point in my life than it is a building. Uh, you and I had a conversation before we started here about bigger guys on camera. So yeah. in, in Hollywood, and especially when you're on camera, it does not take a lot of size to make you look large. So therefore, you could be 150 pounds and ripped, and you will look like Mr. Universe on camera. You know, you will just look extremely large because the camera, the way you're framed up and the way that the lighting is on you, you can look like a monster, man. You can look like a really big guy. That's why you might hear from some people that when they meet individuals for the first time in person, they'll go, wow, they weren't as big as I thought they were. So when you do start to meet people that are a little bit larger, we had mentioned, you know, like Will Smith, Hugh Jackman, even Chris Helmsworth, uh, larger guys that are like 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", 220, 230 pounds, these guys are already very large human beings. So their weight, tra their weight training yeah. is a little bit different than everybody else's because they're probably in the process of bulking minimally but more toning to really look like they're in shape. I mean, you know, Will Smith and I am legend look fantastic. I mean, Hugh Jackman and Days of Future Past look fantastic. Uh, Chris Helmsworth and Thor look fantastic. You know, so these guys clearly have the diet, you know, the nutrition, the, the weight training, but it, it's part of your job as creating yourself as a product to sell, to be in that kind of shape. And it is, you have to be very diligent. You have to be on top of sure. your job. Okay. So no shortage. There's no shortage of people in shape in LA. That's for sure. <laughs> um, you're telling me I used to hit the gym at the uh, LA Fitness on Hollywood Boulevard. Okay. So right next to the Chinese theater. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, good if you're of that mindset where you can look at other people and get motivated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not good if you're of the mindset where you look at other people and you get disappointed in yourself. <laughs> yeah. You're like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Like, yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's, it can be tough. It can be tough. I mean, just to kind of riff on that real quick, um, you know, if that can, again, the personal struggles and the, 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 the inhibiting factor of just what we spoke about earlier, there are so many things that can get in our way of just acquiring or attaining what we set out to do. You know, that's one of them that you just brought up there. You know, depending on the kind of person you are, you may go to the gym and see somebody and go, ah, man, you know, I'm so far from where I want to be. You know, it's going to take me forever or I don't have the time to dedicate, you know, just know that if you're ever looking at somebody and they see you and maybe you get that feeling of, ah, God, they're probably judging me. Honestly, man, I'm inspired by everybody that I see in the gym because you know what? You're there. You're, you're doing it. And whether you're going to the gym, whether you're taking a walk, whether you're just getting out and getting some fitness by walking your dog, your animal, you're walking to the grocery store. Just know that overall, it's just good to be active. You know, no, no matter what you're doing, if you're active, awesome. Oh yeah, and it's it's a. I've I've always felt that way. You know, I try to. I, I get really pissed off when I see other people make fun of people at the gym. Where very, I'm like, very rude. They're they're doing the right thing. Yeah. Um And I, I'm so happy with uh, Pokemon Go because. <laughs> People I have been trying to get to work out for three, four, five years, Yeah. all of a sudden I'm getting texts, oh, hey, I walked three miles today. Oh, hey, I walked four miles today. And I'm oh. like, whatever gets you off the couch. Yeah, dude. Like, Did you catch that Pikachu, though? Did you catch him? I, I've caught three. All right. <laughs> no, and it's, it's great. Like, me and my wife, to wind down at the end of the day, we'll take our dogs for a walk, you know, to have the phones and just like talk and compare Pokemon and walk nice. the dogs. And it's, it's a fun little event. Cool. Um, so when you can, your five to six days, do you have a favorite cheat meal? Uh, yeah. You know, I'm a dark chocolate fan nice. and I, I like going to Pinkberry. <laughs> Pink, even though, you know, there are healthy options, there's unhealthy options as well. And, um, you know, my cheat day is probably getting a medium with toppings and, uh, I do not skimp on the dark chocolate, which dark chocolate has some positive benefits, a lot of antioxidants, you know, it's a good candy to have, but, um, yeah, I, you know, that's, that's probably my big cheat. That's my big cheat. See, that's, that's not a bad big cheat. Like I was talking to, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a professional bodybuilder Okay, and, and he's like, immediately after a competition, I will down a dozen donuts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Here, here is a cheat then. There is a place in uh, Orange County that I don't know if you're a pizza fan. You a pizza fan? Can I am I? a pizza fan. All right. It, you know, it's shocking. Some people aren't. But so anyways, place in Orange County. And I, my roommates are from Chicago. So they are big fans of Chicago style deep dish pizza. Now, there is this place called Tony's Little Italy in Orange County. And I'll tell you what, some of the best deep dish pizza I've ever had outside of Chicago, because I've been to Chicago a few times. And I mean, I'm talking one slice is probably 2,500 calories. Oh, Oh, Lord. Dude, it is like a piece of pie, but it is so good. It is so amazing. I will, and everybody heard, we've already been talking about traffic. I will sit in 45 minutes of traffic. (laughs) to go get this pizza and i mean it's you know once every few months but it is that's probably like my my go-to big cheat oh there you go i like that i like that and so you're dude you're super positive you're super motivated what what 
gets you up in the morning? What gives you this attitude? What gets you up in the morning to say, I'm going to go out and do everything that I love today? Ah, you know, it's a few things. Um, it's wanting to make my family proud. It's, uh, you know, proving to myself that I can do this. Um, seeing reflections of myself within the industry of knowing that I can provide something to not only the public, but to the masses that I feel that I can contribute to the storytelling process. Um, I'm, and like I said in the beginning, I'm, I'm a huge competitor. I'm very competitive. Uh, you know, my, my struggle is probably more internal than it is, uh, external uh, stimuli hitting me. You know, I look at myself as one of my biggest opponents. So, you know, I just get up, I look at what I've got to accomplish and I set that goal in front of myself and I do the best I can every day to chip away at it. However much, whether it's 10 minutes or four hours. You know, as long as there's been some time put in to actually accomplishing what I need to do, I can mark that off as I'm making progress. I'm pushing towards that. But it has to be daily. It has to be a daily occurrence. It become, it starts to become habitual. You know, you, you put that in front of yourself as I need to do these things. They're not just, oh, Tuesday is my inspiration Tuesday. You know, let me read some quotes on Instagram. You know, no, it's it's every day pushing towards what you see for yourself, what you want for yourself, how you want to better yourself, how you want to attain and achieve. So um, it, it's a lot of it is internal. You know, it's very internal. That's awesome. That's just really excellent. And I think I think that's a good point that everyone should take away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't mean to sound like a guru here or like, you know, Tony Robbins by any means, but you know, that's a perfect example of, you know, somebody who, uh, a motivator, a motivational speaker, or, you know, people, whatever you use for motivation, do it and use it. You know, if you're motivated, uh, you know, going back to fandom, I mean, if you're a, if you're a Spider-Man two, one sheet original fan, every time you see that poster, let that be your motivation for, you know what? I need to get up and do something. You know, I, you know, the person that created this poster worked their ass off to get this to a point and look at how it inspires me. And the fact that it can inspire me this way, I know that I can affect somebody as well, you know? So. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's talk about what, uh, how we met and why you're here. Let's talk pterodactyl. Yeah. Pterodactyl. So how first, everyone kind of got a little taste of it. What's it about? How did you get involved? Hmm. Oh man. Okay. So first, you know, pterodactyl is a very fun movie. You know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It is basically ghostbusters meets tremors. You know, it's about two working class Joes in Los Angeles who are, who kind of stumble into having to defend the city against an incoming wave of prehistoric pterodactyls as they're accompanied by Candace, Samson, and Valerie. And throughout the process, you know, people are lost and some people rise to the occasion and some people don't. And, you know, it's, it's a fun ensemble film. You know, um, pterodactyl was something that I was fortunate enough to be a part of um, due to my circumstances of actually moving into the house that I'm currently living in. So, you know, about four and a half years ago, I moved in with a bunch of friends that were filmmaker friends of mine, and they were getting ready to make a film. They were getting ready to make this sci-fi creature feature. And in the process of doing that, 
they were reading actresses for the Candace role. And a little background on the Candace role in the film, she is like the sexy bartender who turns out to be just a little firecracker who just takes the bull by the horns and handles business. You know, she's a great heroine in the story. She's a great heroine. Um, they were reading these actresses and they were trying to pinpoint who they wanted to go with. Uh, me being an actor, my roommate, who was one of the co-directors at the time, said, hey, would you mind just reading with these actresses? We feel a little uncomfortable doing it because we want to be able to watch the process. We want to watch how they react. And I said, no, of course, you know, I'd, I'd love to. In the process of reading with these girls, they started to see me reacting with them, which in turn kind of manifested into the conversation starting of, well, maybe Jason could play the Jonas character. And lo and behold, through a couple of, uh, again, fortunate circumstances, I was, I was lucky enough to be cast as Jonas. And I had an absolute blast working on this film. I recommend that if anybody ever has the opportunity to work with their friends and make a film, by no means... And by no stretch of the word is it simple. It is a very daunting and physically exerting process to create a feature film, especially a good one. But if you get the opportunity to work with your friends on a film, it is very fulfilling. It's great to be able to share the successes with your friends. That's awesome. That's yeah. excellent. Uh, there was there was one scene that I absolutely loved um, in Pterodactyl, and it reminded me a little bit of Reign of Fire. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. I know and, exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> it's it's just how how the climax of the movie is just so great and it was just I was just like Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey would yeah. be proud. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. Yeah, dude, it's pretty epic. Even the camera angle too. Even the camera. Oh, yeah. angle. It's that low camera angle and you're like, "Oh, he's going in." He's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. Yeah. And it was what other movies would you lump this in with? Uh, I mean, like, like I said originally, you know, uh, the mashup that I try to compare it to whenever I'm giving people the elevator pitch is, you know, it's Tremors meets Ghostbusters. You know, it's a creature feature mixed with a lighthearted, um, you know, uh, f fantasy fiction film with like makeshift weaponry. Um, you know, another film could be like a zombie land, you know, a lot okay. of fun. Um, you know, again, ensemble piece where people are coming together to overcome insurmountable odds. Uh, you know, just go into it and have some fun. You know, have some fun with it. Uh, you might walk out being impressed. You might walk out and just have a good time. Um, but yeah, that that's what I would throw in there. I would throw in, you know, Tremors meets Ghostbusters mixed with a little bit of Zombieland. You know? And I Tremors is one of my all-time favorite movies. I've that's fast. I've actually watched, I want to say, three out of the five movies, but I haven't watched the TV show of Tremors. Um, yeah, I've not. But I heard, I heard they're doing a reboot or a remake, and Kevin Bacon is signed on, so I'm very excited. That gets a thumbs up. That gets a thumbs up. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. No. But um, what this movie reminded me of is... Uh, a couple years ago when I lived in Phoenix, a buddy of mine would get together every, I think it was either every Tuesday or every Thursday night, and the rules were, like, movie we've never seen before, and six-pack of beer we've never had before. <laughs> nice! I like and that. And so, I was 
I was really excited to watch Pterodactyl, but I was a really I was a little bummed because he moved to Oklahoma City, I moved to LA, and so I was like, I don't get to share this movie with him. But my my wife sat in for him, uh, and she liked it just as much. So cool. so that cool. was awesome. Nice man, nice. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you had fun. And uh, where can people find it if they want to watch it? Well, Pterodactyl is currently available on VOD streaming, iTunes, and Amazon. And there are some, you know, some, there's some talk going on about some uh, DVD releases soon. But iTunes and Amazon currently is where you can find it now. All right, excellent. And again, those links all in the show notes. So everyone, go out see this movie. It's it it's freaking hysterical. Although I do, I had. A little bit of an issue with your makeshift oh. flamethrower. <laughs> the flame blower. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I don't think a flamethrower is ever a good weapon. You, you know, explosives. I mean, yeah, explosives, flammable liquid. It's always like, ah, oh, what, what do you do? Do you go with melee weapons like machetes and swords? And then you got projectiles. You got, you know, automatics, handguns, and then. I don't know, man, but that I'll tell you what, Kenneth, working with that flame blower on set, I could not stop making the whoosh sounds every time I <laughs> every time I picked that thing up, dude. I was like, I, Don, one of the directors, uh, came up. He's like, Jason, Jason, you don't need to make the sounds. We'll do the sounds. Don't worry about. It. We'll make the sounds ourselves. Oh, I, I please should have kept with it, like in the movie, just whoosh. yeah, yeah. Whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> dude. It's tough. You just you want to add it. You totally want to add it. <laughs> That's excellent. All right. Um, I've kept you for about an hour. Uh, so in the interest of wrapping up, do you have anything else going on? Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, you know, again, actors talking about themselves. It's always a tough place to be in. Um, this year has been a very, very good year. I've been fortunate to work a lot this year on some great projects. Uh, I shot a film earlier this year for... Mar Vista called To Have and To Kill, which is looking for a home currently. The rumor is that it will be on Lifetime pretty soon. Um, I've shot two productions with sci-fi. One is called Airspeed. The other is called Above Water. Um, I worked on a fantastic, fantastic film with Zoe Bell, the stunt woman that worked with Quentin Tarantino for years. That short film was called Imbroglio. It is currently in post. Um, I just wrapped on ABC's pilot Notorious, which was a lot of fun. And I'm currently on a feature right now with Ryuhei Kitamura, who is an amazing Japanese director. He worked with Bradley Cooper on Midnight Meat Train. He worked with Samuel Jackson, with Luke Evans. And we're shooting now on his project called Downrange. So a lot of things coming together. Uh, I feel very, very fortunate to be working and just doing what I love. Dude, congratulations. That is awesome. And right now, consider this an open invitation as those things come out, as you, you know, doing publicity or anything for any of those, open invitation, come back on, and we will chat about those, and I'll do whatever I can to promote the hell out of them. Awesome. Thank you, Kenneth. I will I will take you up on that. Thank you. Excellent. And so do you have a go-to uh, nerd or fitness resource or an app that helps you either stay nerdy or stay fit? My nerdy go-to app is IGN. IGN.com, I love IGN. I get everything from tech updates, movie updates, video game updates, 
Oh man, I love IGN. <laughs> I really it's a, do. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I mean, I get I get my fill. I get my total fill across the board on that. Um, my fitness, uh, men's fitness, uh, or excuse me, men's health, men's health. I have that magazine. Um, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good blend of. It, it kind of feels like a version of Maxim mixed with like men's health because there's enough articles in it that can relate to everything from like nutrition and diet and fashion and like, you know, sex and relationships and, and, uh, things actually happening on the planet that are pertinent. And then there's also fitness, you know, uh, critiques and regimens and procedures that you can do. So I think it's a pretty well-rounded publication. I enjoy it. Excellent. Excellent. And huh. where can people connect with you and, uh, connect with pterodactyl? Pterodactyl has a couple of handles. You can find us on Facebook and you can find us on Twitter at tdactylfilm. They're also on Instagram at pterodactylthefilm. If you would like to connect with me personally, I am across the board on Twitter and Instagram as the Jason Tobias. On Facebook, just Jason Tobias. And then I have my website, website as well, www.jasontobias.com. Awesome. And all those links as I've said before, in the show notes. So everyone listening, go click through. (laughs) And Jason, to cap things off, what parting advice do you have for everyone out there listening to the podcast right now? Um, Do what you love. Do it with all your heart. Do it with passion. And surround yourself with people that are positive and that can see the benefit of what you bring to the table. Excellent. That's awesome. Mm. And, and you know what, everyone? I think I think we're going to leave it there. Jason, thank you so much for being with me tonight, um, chatting with me. It was an absolute pleasure. I like so much fun chatting with you. Thank you, Kenneth. I really appreciate you having me on the show. I had a blast talking with you, man. I really did. Excellent, excellent. Then I look forward to round two sometime. Hell yeah. All right, and everyone listening, thanks for listening to the episode. Be sure to leave me a rating and a review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you catch your podcasts. Until next time, work out, nerd out. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.